Hi, and welcome to All Things Cozy with Matt and Jillian. We are a bi-weekly podcast about everything that is warm, soft, and comforting. Christmas has arrived early here at All Things Cozy HQ as Nate Atkins, writer of A Christmas Prince, has traveled all the way from Aldovia and shimmied down our chimney to discuss the popular series. Nate wrote A Christmas Prince and after its premiere on Netflix in 2017, it became a cult hit. Nate has since written A Christmas Prince, The Royal Wedding, and the series' most recent installment, A Christmas Prince, The Royal Baby. He also writes horror films and has worked extensively in post-production. Welcome, Nate. Hi, thanks so much for having me. Yeah, we're thrilled. We are so excited to have you here. Yeah, this is this is great. I'm really, really, really pleased. I've been looking forward to it. We're really glad to have you here to bring a little Christmas to kind of an uncoached situation, a very comforting holiday we can all kind of like live in at least for an hour. <laughs> yeah, well, that's why I love your podcast too. I think we all need some some cozy in our life right now, big time. Absolutely. And yeah, it's fun to hear about what everybody else has been doing to to keep that vibe going when things are a little scary. Well, that is the perfect segue to our, our first segment, which is what's making us feel cozy during quarantine. Nate, do you want to kick us off? What's making you feel cozy during quarantine? Cookies. Cookies have been have been working <laughs> here and there. My, my wife and I have been baking these dough pea cookies. Have you ever heard of that product? No. no. You can order it online and you get these magical little buckets of cookie dough and they don't have any eggs in them. So you can eat the cookie dough raw or you can just, you know, spoon out little, little cookie sized chunks, bake them for, for 12 minutes. And it's like, it's like the best worst thing in the world. (laughs) Of course, my wife ordered like four, four tubs of them. So (laughs) that's, uh, yeah, been working on the quarantine 15 as well. Well, low effort Um, baking is my specialty, right? (laughs) Most least effort is the better, you know? Yeah. So, so low effort and what makes it so dangerous at the same time, there's even a a cookie monster one. So it's like (laughs) blue cookie dough with, I think cookies and cream or Oreo or or chocolate chips or something like that. It's it's just magical and dangerous. I'm such a lazy cook and chef. There's no way that would actually ever make it into the oven if it's safe to eat at the top. That that would just go straight into my gob. (laughs) Yeah. That is me. That is me. My wife just waits till they're all they're all cooked and, and baked. And Amanda's just kind of waiting patiently where I'm just totally full by the time they even come out of the oven. I've eaten half the tub. Well, I think coming in a bucket doesn't help, you know, no. trying to savor it. I, I'd probably yeah. be like a farm animal just put my head in the bucket. Yeah, yeah. They, they designed it that way. They, they know what they're doing. <laughs> Oh my god, that's amazing! I need to check that out. That yeah. <laughs> bucket yeah, eating uh, is for me as well. That's perfect. Yeah, yeah. You'll th- you'll thank me later. <laughs> um, Jillian, how about you? What's making you feel cozy? Well, keeping this food train chugging along, what's making me feel cozy is banana bread, which I've perfected. I made two loaves in the past few weeks, and I have this recipe that uses yogurt, which just makes it really moist and great. Wow! So, so yeah, so simple to make. It's one of those. Like you said, another easy recipe, very was, few ingredients. Say, that, doesn't, that doesn't sound easy to me, but I guess I don't, I don't know anything about it. That sounds really, really involved. It really is. And it helps also that I now have measuring tools because I, I used to, well, one time before I made Matt a banana bread that I didn't measure anything out and it was horrendous. So now oh. like everyone else, I'm using measuring things instead of just plopping stuff in and hoping for the best. I am a little sad that we're no longer in the era of mad scientist Jillian. 
<laughs> yeah, no, I've reined it in. Quarantine has calmed me, I suppose. So, uh, yeah, it's really great. And then banana bread's having a renaissance. Apparently, it was the most searched for recipe in the U.S. in the past 30 days. That was in May 2nd. So that's, that's it's having amazing. a moment. That's amazing. Yeah, I've actually, I think that's actually brought me some cozy comfort too, is just surfing online on on social media and seeing the the baked goods that everybody's doing. A lot of bread, a lot mm. of sourdough, yeah, different kinds of banana and zucchini bread and stuff like that. It's it's a it's a carbolicious time. It really is just, you know, full <laughs> throttle, making all the all the bread recipes. The only thing I don't like my partner is she makes bread, I think, at least every day. And then the cleanup is so tedious. Just having all oh, having all the, the the splatter everywhere of the dough and like trying to scrape and scrub the, the dough off the, the dishes. And yeah, she could do it. But I, I also in quarantine realized that I am uh, pretty A-type when it comes to washing my dishes. I'll uh. complain that she doesn't help, and then I'll then I'll complain that she doesn't do it right. <laughs> so <laughs> I like how this is all set up like the perfect romantic comedy scene. Like you're both right. in the kitchen making cookies or banana bread, and it's like or bread period. And there's dough everywhere. It's like a meat cute. There's probably flour on your faces. And normally, where that would be, where they bond in a movie, you're fighting about who's going to do the dishes. I know. Yeah, even the, even the bickering sounds cozy there. I do like that. Yeah, well, it's funny because another little side note is when Matt and I were recording a few weeks ago, I forgot to hit the record button, turn it off, and I recorded a fight about sourdough. Maybe if we get enough listeners, I'll air it because <laughs> it is quite the, like the little bickering going back and forth about sourdough of all things. Sourdough outtake. That's fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> Subscribe to our Patreon and we will release Jillian and her partner's fight. <laughs> I, I, I would definitely tune in. I'm curious now. Yeah, we've been catching up on some shows too. I don't know. We finally we finally finished Shit's Creek, um, mm. which I thought was just extremely cozy and gave us something to look forward to every night for for a couple weeks there while we were eating our cookies. I don't know. Have you all seen that? Yeah, it's it's a really funny show. I love that show. Very cozy yeah. show. Yeah, it's kind of like it's the most feel good show that I remember experiencing for a long time or I really just look forward to that feeling of immersing myself in that in that beautiful world for 25 minutes or whatever it was or much more on the on the binge nights where we go through an entire season yeah Catherine O'Hara can do no wrong and her costumes oh, <laughs> oh <laughs> unbelievable unbelievable right and she's such a genius yeah we went back and watched Beetlejuice again actually just inspired to go back and see some of her other work from the past and just such a Everybody on that show is just so genius. Going back to cozy things, I just have never been more grateful for for our dogs, our dogs, and, and chilling with the pups. Now that the the trailheads and our our local trails in Angeles National Forest are starting to be open up again here and there, I've done some some hikes with my little terrier Moxie. She's kind of my adventure buddy, and just really spending quality time with the dogs has been good. And I think they love the quarantine. I mean, they're, they're oh, yeah, for sure. just, just chilling with us all day and everybody's, everybody's just kind of on their level of, of hanging out. And it's been very, very valuable. Probably dream come true for them. Yeah. Yeah. We've got a little, little terrier named Moxie and kind of a, a jumbo Chihuahua Spaniel weird mix named Chowder. <laughs> oh, I love that name. Chowder is the perfect like name a- for that description. 
Yeah, I'm, I'm from I'm from Maine, so they both have kind of those the New England sort of rings to the names with the Moxie and the Chowda. Um, <laughs> but he's just kind of a mix of a bunch of different things, and we don't even know what. So I think the Chowder name fits. Um, perfect. And he is just a lazy a lazy little nerd. Loves to sit around and and do nothing on Lana's back and get belly rubbed. For Moxie's a little more kind of active, spunky out, and likes to have adventures and stuff like that. So I can mix it up and Moxie's a female and Shouter's a, a male. So we can have kind of our, can have our, my, my daddy daughter dates with Moxie going out in the mountains and then just <laughs> chill and watch TV with my boy. That's cute. really cute. Actually, they sound like the dog versions of Matt and Jillian. So. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. It's Shouter. <laughs> I'll leave it up to the listeners to decide. <laughs> <laughs> well, we've we've been really going heavy into food, and that's actually my cozy thing this week as well. Um, also very carb heavy. My pick is lasagna, not to sound like Garfield, but wow. um, I made lasagna this week, and I've been eating it since I made it. I think I've actually only subsisted on lasagna for the last two days. That does not sound terrible at all. <laughs> no, and it came out really well. It's just funny how many different ways you can make lasagna. And I consulted my mom and I consulted my mother-in-law and I looked up all the recipes because I wanted to kind of find the nice dividing line between like tastes good, but also is easy to do. Do you cook the pasta before you layer everything or is everything partially cooked or you just put everything in? How, do, how does it all go down? For me, I, I've learned that don't cook the pasta. Just put okay. that noodle in raw and okay. just make sure that you have sauce on either side of it and it'll cook itself. And the, actually turns out to have the the nicest texture that way it's not as uh soft right you get some of the still al dente sort of yeah. aspect to the pasta and wow. it's a whole step you get to skip and I, I, going back to like eating cookie dough out of the bucket i <laughs> love to skip steps <laughs> oh so, man you got me you got me wanting italian for dinner now yeah. do you would you put anything else in the lasagna or like vegetables or oh you know actually i tried to put impossible meat in there i'm a vegetarian so i did oh, nice. impossible meat crumbles which is actually a huge waste of impossible meat because that's like the fanciest fake meat there is and then once you put that into a sauce like it's not really like you can't taste it that much i should have used the really cheap veggie sausage that i wouldn't have noticed anyway just for the texture yeah and um then i also put spinach in it but i i really didn't give enough credit to how much spinach shrivels when you cook it (laughs) Yeah, it's crazy, right? It like disappears. Yeah, you got to use frozen or something because like it's just it was not enough spinach. Um, but right. you know what? That means more cheese. So I was gonna say, did you do like ricotta and mozzarella, or what'd you do for for the cheese? Yeah, I did ricotta, parmigiana, mozzarella. Wow, that sounds, that sounds so good. good. Yeah, good for impossible, leftovers. impossible spinach and and cheese lasagna actually sounds amazing. It, tur- it turned out pretty nice. I just, I think I need more spinach next time because it was a little light on the greens, but it, I'm pretty proud of it. I'm going to have to redo the whole recipe because I, I, I got all these. I don't know why I bought two boxes of lasagna noodles and now I'm set That's for life. I don't think I'll ever use them all. Lasagna every night. <laughs> all right. So shall we dive into A Christmas Prince? Yeah. For our listeners who aren't already familiar, Christmas Prince kicks off with Amber, a New York-based journalist who has become a bit disillusioned with her job. Eager to catch a big scoop and launch her career, she jumps at the trance to travel to the foreign nation of Aldovia to cover an important press conference given by Prince Richard. Richard is portrayed in the press as a bit of a playboy is said to take over the throne after his father's recent death. While snooping at the royal palace after Richard ditches the big press conference, she is mistaken for the new tutor of his younger sister, Princess Emily. 
Instead of revealing her true identity, Amber runs with the ruse and quickly integrates herself into palace life, which gives her the chance to observe Richard and his immediate family. Of course, her plot doesn't go according to plan, and her cover is blown just as she has found love with Richard. Making matters even more complicated, a family secret threatens Richard's rightful place as king. So will true love prevail? You'll have to watch to find out. Well, we did, and we found out. <laughs> yes, we did. It did. And also the two will yes. give you that hint. But don't do any spoiler alerts. And, so, and then there have also been two other entries, one for their wedding and then another for the royal baby. Um, so there's a lot, to, a lot of Christmas prints to go around. I, I wanted to know first, before we go into the movies proper, what what drew you to writing Christmas movies in the first place? Probably growing up just loving Christmas movies. I don't know. That was always a big tradition with our family, as well as a lot of families I know, that just, you know, the movies that you watch year after year, Christmas after Christmas with your family and friends that just kind of just kind of cement that feeling of, of the holiday spirit when you're all sitting around and something you do together. I know our, our favorites were growing up were an old Jim Henson one called Emmett Otter's Jug Band Christmas um, that is just kind of Jim, Jim Henson's take on the Gift of the Magi type tale. It's just beautiful and sweet. And we always watch National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation and the animated one called The Snowman. And I feel like just just the idea of, of you know, writing a movie like that or being a part of a movie that, that can bring people just a little bit more coziness and joy over the holidays i thought was really a, a privilege to get to try to do i'm sure maine was a great place to celebrate christmas too it totally was oh man there were years um i remember even back it was maybe 1999 or something like that we had we had an epic apocalyptic ice storm where we were out of power for like two or three weeks or something crazy like that over the holidays so it was all like you know fireplace and and generators and cooking on the grill and acoustic guitars and just kind of cooking and hanging out. And it was, it was, it was just, it's, it's great to be in a, in a winter wonderland like that. Even looking now, I mean, it's back in new England and Northern Maine, they just had a huge snowstorm last week where I seen my friend's photos and they had snow feet of snow in their, in their yards in May. Wow. Yeah. I know East coasters are probably hating it, but if I could treat places right now, I totally would. Oh, I so miss the cold and snow. I'm, I'm, uh, I love it. And what about Christmas Prince in particular? What's the origin story for, for these films? The origin of the Christmas Prince movies that I remember, um, Netflix approached the, the production company that owned the script at the time. Um, and they were first, just sort of getting into the idea of doing an original Christmas movie. They hadn't done one before, I don't think. And they just, you know, took, took what was, what was there and made a, a lot of changes to the, to the script we were working on at the time. And at the, at the end of the day, we knew we had a fun movie and everybody liked it, but we just weren't, nobody had any idea what the kind of viewership would be, how many people are going to watch it, yada, yada, yada. And it premiered around, Thanksgiving, I believe it was the first year when a Christmas Prince came out. And my wife, uh, Amanda, who's executive producer on the movie too, we were in um, Arizona at my parents' place celebrating Thanksgiving. Um, and I remember we were out with them one night and she started getting some, started looking on her phone and there was, you know, a notification came up about it or somebody was writing about it. And then there was an article and then this, and we were just, we were kind of so shocked that 
that people, so many people were responding to it and watching it. We were, we're all excited. Yeah, it's funny you mention that because in an interview with Collider, uh, Rose McIver, who plays Queen Amber, described the mega success of the series as a joyful surprise. So I'm curious as to why you think The Christmas Prince is so strongly resonated with viewers and such a competitive and some might argue oversaturated market with Christmas movies. Yeah, it was it was it was interesting. I mean, I think you have to give a lot of credit to Netflix just seeing the timing for that and how to crack in to a part of the industry that had been dominated by just one or two networks for a really long time and mm-hmm. and maybe everyone underestimating a little bit just globally how many people had had a thirst for this type of content in Christmas sure. movies and that sort of Christmas movie. So I think Netflix just cracked open the game a little bit. And now from, you know, from, from what I'm hearing in different networks and stuff like that, it's just still expanding and more and more networks are, are looking to do original Christmas movies. So I think it's a, it's a happy trend, you know? Yeah. Congrats. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's amazing. Yeah. No, I just, like I said, I just feel very, very privileged, privileged for the experience. And it was an amazing experience and just a really happy, happy sort of, you know, happy sort of run for, for my career. Yeah, it's it's a perfect marriage too with Netflix because I think a lot of cable subscribers, for example, like, you know, they're used to getting their Christmas movie fix via like Lifetime or Hallmark. But if you're a cord cutter, like you kind of don't have access to that. So I think I think it it makes total sense, right? Like when you have a solid Christmas movie come out via Netflix that kind of scratches that itch. There was an audience waiting there for it. Yeah, totally. And I think there was an aspect of 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 it being, you know, connected with, with the Netflix identity too, and the Netflix brand was just people were really curious to see what they were going to, what they were going to roll out and what their idea of a Christmas movie was going to be. So I think, um, you know, but then there's always just this aspect of just kind of perfect timing and a little Christmas magic too, not to sound too cheesy, but just kind of just made, made it kind of a little bit of, of lightning in a bottle the way it caught on, um, and social media, at least, you know, and certain certain demographics watching it very and enjoying it very authentically, where other you know demographics just liking it and kind of just like it, liking to poke fun at it and have fun with it too. And it's all just great, you know what I mean? It's like just kind of enjoy it, however you want, and, and tune in. And it was, yeah, it was just kind of lightning in a bottle. Yeah, something I really love about the Christmas Prince series of films is how much of the supporting cast returns for each film. Um, it, yeah. it kind of feels like a family that you're visiting each Christmas, even like antagonists like um, Simon or like minor antagonists, kind of like Sahil, they show up in later films. <laughs> and that's like, I, I, that's a really uncommon thing that I really enjoyed. Cause it, it's kind of like this growing sense of family that you return to with each installment. Was that intentional or did that involve evolve organically? That's really kind of cool that you put it that way, actually, in terms of just like kind of having visit, going back to visit, get to visit with the the family and the crew every year for Christmas. And I think it's just I think we're all just really lucky to be able to get everybody to come back um, for the most part, you know, by and large majority of of the actors and, and everyone was able to come back. And it was definitely, um, yeah, the in- the intention to just kind of keep unfolding more story in the characters that people already hopefully loved and, and were invested in year after year and, and see how the, uh, you know, hijinks can ensue and things can spin from one aspect, one, one year to the next and maybe see 
or, you know, your perception, flip your perception of one character a little different from, from one movie to the next two than what you're expecting before. So we had, you know, just a ton of fun working with these characters and all the, all the actors were just phenomenal. And, and like I said, just super, super lucky to get almost everybody to, to come back. You have some amazing actors in, in these films. Alice Krieg, Borg Queen. <laughs> oh, Queen she's, Helena. She's just, Sarah Douglas yeah, Ursa. <laughs> I, I know. Just uh, amazing, amazing cast that they put together for this. A lot of a lot of fan, fan favorites, I think, was was Theo Devaney playing playing Simon. Yeah, he's he's kind of that character you love to hate. Oh yeah. No, he was great, he's a great villain. He's great. <laughs> Another actually and also a great consequence of all these characters like being retained and 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 growing is that by the third movie it's it's such an incredibly diverse cast and i think that inclusiveness creates a really warm and cozy feeling too yeah yeah i hope so i hope so i think you know again it was just nice to have nice to have freedom to do to do certain things with the Christmas Prince movies that maybe were, were going outside the bounds of some other, you know, some other network imperatives for things like that and Christmas movies in the past and, and just being able to, being able to, to have some more fun with it and be a little more free with it yet still stay within, stay cleanly within that, that subgenre and, oh, yeah. and satisfy audience expectations. It's definitely appreciated because I mean, I mean, I'll speak as a gay man, like, who watches a lot of Hallmark Christmas movies. Like it is nice to see a gay couple <laughs> in the room. Yeah. In the movie. yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. More, more, more diverse, more real, um, more open, more fun. So yeah, it was just cool. It was just cool the way the, the freedom that we had to do some of that stuff. On the point of like filming, were you um, ever on set in Romania? And if so, what was it like to film there? Oh, I was not. I was not. Damn it. <laughs> yeah. I want to hear about Romania. I know, I know. I, I actually, it's kind of a the story makes me sad because because Amanda was over there um, filming. I think the third one, and I was finally going to get a chance to go. And I had you know some travel arrangements being made, and I even had a little you know four day adventure up in the Transylvanian Alps to do some oh. climbing and stuff like that. I got in touch with a guide over there, and I was so pumped. Uh, but I just got another job came down, another writing gig came down, and it would have been just kind of irresponsible for me to flake on that at the time to to go out because at, at that point, you know, the script was locked in. I would have just been going to, to kind of visit the set and have fun and and go climb and stuff like that. So I just, uh, maybe yeah. I'm kicking myself now, but I did <laughs> I stayed home and worked. Do the responsible Ugh. thing. Yeah, but I hear, you know, all of the pictures and I hear just just everybody raves about how great it is and experience to shoot in Romania and how beautiful it is. And, um, you know, especially up up north, I believe, um, mm-hmm. where they shot a lot of the, the castle locations, the exteriors and stuff like that in particular, I guess, is just really kind of wild and beautiful and, you know, bears roaming around and stuff like that. It just sounded like so, so right up my alley. So. One day, yeah, one, one day, day when we're tra- when we can travel again, then I'll get over to, to Eastern Europe and Romania and check it all out because it's just it looks stunning. Yeah, absolutely, and, and it's such a perfect like Christmassy setting, like the snow right? and the castle. Oh yeah, it has that it has that magic, that magical quality, just like built right into to already already being in in the background and in the, in the history and the architecture and in the forest and the mountains and yeah, it's gorgeous. 
in your opinion, how do you make a Christmas movie feel Christmassy? I mean, like we're talking about like the the snow and the, and the trees, and obviously there are Christmas decorations around. There's also activities the characters are doing. Like, what yeah. do you think is the most important? I think I think all those things are really important. It's funny. I think, and I think, you know, because again, um, my wife Amanda developed so many of these. She's done she's done a ton of Christmas movies. Probably just produced probably more Christmas movies than anybody out there. So I hear a lot about the development of all these different ones, and the notes always more Christmas, more romance, more Christmas, more <laughs> more Christmas, more romance. I don't that think should there's be the title of its own movie. <laughs> more Seriously, Christmas, more I, romance. I don't <laughs> think there's a skip script that's come through that that hasn't been the two primary notes. Just to, just to hit it off the bat. And I think, and I think it's really important, you know, it's true. It's like the romance is the cozy and the Christmas um, is a combination of having all of the stuff in the scene with the decorations, having the music just right, as well as those Christmassy activities. And that I think is kind of hard, even within just the one, one trilogy trying to, you know, mix it up and what, what can we do? I remember tried to do ice skating in the first one, but that was, that was shot down because of some, you know, because of, stunts or endangering the actors were able to figure out a safe way to do it finally for the third one. And just, we wanted to do dog sledding and cross country skiing and all these different things. You just try to think of all these wintry fun sort of activities that can just spice up the scene and give it that, that Christmas feel. And, and on set and designers and producers, everything like that, and it was spent so much time and energy getting all these decorations together. Lots of times in, in places where there's not a lot of access to like limitless Christmas decorations because there is, you know what I mean? So there's, there's a lot of work that goes into just making every, every shot in the film have that, have that magical feeling that people want. Um, you just got to code it in Christmas. It has to, it, you're right. Like it really, for it to work, yeah. it does have to like, every scene has to be Christmas. <laughs> col- col- color scheme, activities, decorations, you know, just even the, just everything people are eating and drinking and having having the romance, I think, sort of be hand in hand with the, with the escalation lead up to the holiday too. I think is is really important dance that just that just works out a little differently from from each Christmas story to, to Christmas story too. When you're talking about that subgenre, so yeah, super super important and and can be can be challenging at different levels too. Yeah. And like you mentioned, it's hard to keep things fresh, especially when there's so many Christmas movies around. And I'm curious yeah. if you featuring supernatural elements in the in the third installment was it was an attempt to kind of keep spice things up. Well, for sure. And that's kind of my I think you mentioned earlier, I write I write a lot of, you know, horror and supernatural stuff, too. I write on both ends of the spectrum quite a bit. I love spooky stuff you know even going to protect to to a christmas carol you know what i mean i think i think christmas stories kind of lend itself well to the to the supernatural so getting a chance to to get some of that stuff in there and we had a lot more but it was was pulled back i think probably probably rightly so throughout but yeah i had a lot of fun with the with spooky stuff in the dungeon <laughs> was there a monster sure. in the dungeon at some point I, uh, there was a ghost of of oh so and so there were different <laughs> versions yeah there was the curse was real at one point and there was this and i i got to, i had some fun trying some different stuff it turned out to be what it was which was which was perfect but i i think yeah i tried to push it as far as i could <laughs> i love the whodunit plot as well that was really fun yeah, and I think that kind of got baked in from from the beginning, just as far as you know, Amber having her investigative mission, kind of a story, 
um, driving, driving a lot and really using her strengths and letting her push the plot forward and, and um, having fun with that. Yeah. So it was all, I mean, they're honestly, honestly, really, really fun to write all three of them. It was, it was just fun. It's so funny that you mentioned the horror element because um, a friend of our podcast, Michael Verratti, similarly balances writing horror and holiday films. And somehow that just feels right, doesn't it? It's just so interesting that so many writers kind of are straddling that line. Like, why why do you think that is? Why is that? Why do those always get so combined? You know, just 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 right off the bat, I almost say that they both kind of both genres exist in their own sort of fantasy world. You know what I mean? And you can create you can create the boundaries of a slightly skewed reality where you can just escape and exist somewhere else for, for 90 minutes or a hundred minutes or whatever it may be. And I think, you know, while it's, it's almost two sides of the same coin in that way and the comedic elements too, because they always say, you know, that, 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 that horror and, and comedy are both, you know, have similarities to the genre and the construction of scenes and the, the timing and the payoffs and everything like that that goes into it and, and how it uses suspense. So I think it's just, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a funky, but, but natural marriage in a lot of ways. And of course the whole, you know, the whole subgenre of Christmas horror movies too. There's, there aren't enough of those. Yeah, I agree. I agree. You know, it's used to be, it feels like it used to be, we used to get a good one at least every, every year or so. Now they're a little, little too far, too few and far between. So, well, maybe a Christmas Prince four, there could be, there really could be a monster in that dungeon. Give, oh. You know, give a little twist. Oh. If they, I'd be if down. They let me do that. I, I would be so, I would be so in heaven. Yeah. I, 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 I'd, I'd pay to write that one. They wouldn't have to pay me. <laughs> <laughs> I'd pay to write it, but they still wouldn't let me. <laughs> Not enough Christmas. <laughs> Right now, I'd promise to put Christmas, Christmas and horror in every scene. <laughs> There's got to be some sort of like crate in the basement that unlocks Krampus or something. Like the, that oh royal family God. has secrets, right? And that whole and I, that whole part of Eastern Europe has a lot of great sort of sort of Christmas horror lore with all the you know, That'd be perfect. All the different Christmas monsters and stuff like that. You yeah, the, those giant too. cats, Jillian. You, you did some research on that. There's like a giant cat Carilla. that eats kids. <laughs> yep, yeah. yep. The Christmas spider. Um, oh yeah. Christmas spider. There's the Yule cat. There's Grilla and the Yule lads. Um, Hans trap is like this creepy scarecrow, Christmas scarecrow. Um, I haven't heard of him. Yeah, there's these obscure, legendary Christmas monsters from all in that part of the world, and also up in, in Scandinavia and stuff. It's just, ooh, lots of fun stuff to explore. <laughs> Uh, well, switching gears from horror to something not so, not so horrifying. Um, so I have to ask, you're probably, probably going to sigh at this question, but there's so much chatter comparing the last installment to the timing of Meghan Markle's pregnancy. Was it just a happy accident or did you draw inspiration from real life events? It, you know what, it was kind of, that was another one of those kind of magical lightning in a bottle things like the, the timing of things just happened to coincide, hmm. which which opened up the door to being able to do a lot of these specific sort of tie-ins. You know what I mean? I mean, it's kind of thing like the the timing of of the a Christmas Prince, and then the way the sequels laid out. Obviously, that's that's set in stone. You're not going to like skip a year. So the timing is what it is for the release of the movies because it's it's going to be sequential, and um, they're going to come out around Christmas time. So the fact that that in real life was happening with a royal couple 
you know, was just kind of to- totally coincidence, but being able to, like I said, to, to capitalize that and to, and to do the tie-ins and to do the winks and nods um, was just a, a great opportunity that I think people seem to get into. Yeah, if you could tell, fans really loved all the little Easter eggs. And yeah, it was just it was it was so yeah it was so fun to be able to to be able to do that and and just and just so so crazy too that it just it all was going down in in these two parallel two parallel worlds. <laughs> yeah, and my last question, uh, another thing people really loved about the movie was Amber and how strong of a character she was. Which not to you know knock any other Christmas movies out there, but the female leads typically aren't as confident or buck tradition like she has so how conscious of you uh were of that fact when you're writing the screenplays well even the idea the idea well first of all rose mcgyver is just like incredible you know she's one of my favorites um and just such a strong such a strong actor um and then in terms of the character again being able to have some freedom to have her make mistakes, you know, even, even in the, in the, in the first movie for her to be able to enter under false pretense, you know what I mean? is something that would have been maybe a tough sell to some other places to get that through, um, just to be able to have a little more conflict, a little more of an imperfect, imperfect character to give her a bit more of an edge, so to speak, I think makes her, her more relatable and feel even stronger when, when she succeeds, you know? Um, and just kind of keeping her in, in the driver's seat the whole time too, just seemed, seemed essential and necessary and, and correct. And it's, you know, she's just a joy to watch. Yeah. And she knows but- her way around a bow and arrow. Yes, she does. Yes, she does. She doesn't mess around with archery. Every time she broke something, I gasped. Yeah. Maybe not the most confident archer in the world, but but one of the most dexterous for sure. Well, see, <laughs> speaking of horror, like I really did like the first time she broke that vase in her introductory scene where she comes not introductory scene, but she comes into the like meet yeah. the the queen and then she yeah. breaks that vase. <laughs> yeah. And I truly did jump out of my chair. Yeah, it's one of my favorites too. And yeah, it's just a great, yeah, it's a great example of just kind of her, her skill at, at, uh, you know, physical comedy and timing and stuff like that. It's just, That's just nailed fun. it. Yeah, just nailed it. <laughs> and she's bouncing back and forth too between that and or with the, with the, with iZombie, right? Yeah, it was a relief to do the Christmas prints, just switch things up a little bit. Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> For yeah, now. Maybe Maybe someday we'll get Christmas zombies. <laughs> so, so what is next in the world of the Christmas Prince? Is is there a fourth movie planned? Unfortunately, not anything in the works right now for for a fourth movie. I know they're really busy with a lot of other great um, Christmas franchises right now that I'm a huge huge fan of with uh, Princess Switch and, and stuff like that. Oh yeah. Um, so they're just they're ramping up, obviously, and Netflix doing a lot of other uh, original Christmas movies and branching out. And I think yeah, many other networks are are trying to dip into the game too. So yeah, I'd love to I'd love to write more more Christmas more Christmas for something for someone somewhere down the line for sure. Yeah, I really hope there's another one because I, I really do, again, like I said, enjoy coming back to these characters. And but the third one, I was like, I really am looking forward to the next one. So I'm bummed out to hear there's not one planned yet, but I hope that changes. 
Me too. Yeah, I think it would be cool to do spinoffs. You know what I mean? I'd love to see like an Emily spinoff or or a Simon spinoff or or something like that. I think I think we could have a lot of fun being creative with maybe where where some of some of these characters would go outside of the the realm that we've we've usually seen them in, so to speak. That's yeah, a that great idea. Great. Yeah, yeah. I could even you know jump ahead in time a little bit, or I don't know. I think limitless opportunities to have more fun in, in Aldovia and beyond. Before you wrap up, I, I, is there any like memory that you have of writing these movies or working on them that's your absolute favorite? When you think about Christmas Prince, like what's the all-time, like the best feeling moment you had working on them? Honestly, it was it was it was the time, and I have I have mentioned this already earlier, but it, it, it is just an unforgettable moment for me. It was, you know, after after the first movie had just had just launched on Netflix. It was the that night or the next night when I was celebrating celebrating Thanksgiving with with my parents and Amanda and just, you know, just had had pretty, you know, pretty low expectations of how many people were gonna were gonna watch it. And we just saw it, you know, article after article, the media buzz and this and that. I mean, just it was just kind of cool to to see that so many people were engaging with with what we did, which was, you know, everybody expected to just be kind of like a tiny little thing. Um, that and when um, Stephen Colbert did, did a, you know, that part of his intro of his show was breaking down the plot of A Christmas Prince. was just <laughs> <laughs> definitely, uh, I was like, okay, I, I can die now. I'm good. Yeah, that's amazing. <laughs> I haven't yeah. seen that. So that's especially an out yeah. of body moment. That's so cool. Yeah, to see Colbert sort of break down the the A story of Christmas Prince from start to finish for for his audience and his in his intro to a show and just <laughs> obvious obviously do it better than I ever could. It was just a total out of body. I can die now yeah. moment. We're gonna have to find that clip and put it into our um, All Things Cozy Facebook group. Yeah, that's amazing. Sure yeah, it was it was so epic. And of course, he made it sound even even better than it is. But it was, <laughs> it, was, <laughs> it was wonderful. Well, it was wonderful getting to reminisce in Christmas memories and dive into these films with you. Thank you so much for joining us and taking the time to bring a little Christmas to to our lives in in May. <laughs> yes, thank you. I've been looking to it for weeks. I was just you're like a cel- the biggest celebrity in the in the Christmas world. I you know, and I was so excited to talk to you. Aww. And it's really, I was yeah excited all day man well likewise i've been super super excited too and just really appreciative thank you so much for for having me and and where can people find you online to keep up with your your writing i am i have a website nateatkins.com if you want to if you want to keep keep up with that and i'm always you know just adding as new projects pop up i've just got kind of a list of of stuff that i'm working on 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 there um and there's you know rep contact and direct contact on there and everything yeah so nateatkins.com Thank you so much, Nate. Yeah, thank you. I really appreciate it. Nate's such a great guy, and I'm I'm, I'm so I feel so lucky that we had the chance to talk to to him about his movies. And I, I needed a dose of Christmas, so I'm glad he was able to join us. Yeah, and I once again I hope that the fourth movie happens. Netflix, if you're listening, give the people what they want. Yeah, listen to all things cozy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm sure they're tuning in every week. I, I don't mean, I mean, we, yes, listen to the show, but I mean, listen to us about what we're saying. That's what I, what I really mean. Um, that too. Now we're having a blue Christmas, just the two of us, but you know what makes us less blue? Cozy scented candles. Jillian, what candle are you sniffing this week? Well, 
I hastily ordered <laughs> a candle from Whole Foods. Because <laughs> I was like, oh, no. We don't. I realized that we didn't have a candle, so I got it delivered. <laughs> it's the Enlighten Candles Arizona brand, and it's a cooling mist scent. And that drew me to it right away because cooling mist sounds so calming and nice. That's what we need right now, a little cooling mist. So the top notes are honeydew, melon, and green leaves. The middle notes, rosemary and thyme. Base notes, clover and basil. So right now the honeydew is coming on strong. It almost smells like cucumber, I would say. Like, you know, when you, I don't go to to many spas, side note, but if I did go to a spa and they had that that water (laughs) with the cucumber in it and stuff, that's what it would smell like. You'd get a whiff of that. So it's like a nice infused water smell. smell. Yeah, so that's basically what smells right. As far as I'm concerned, water can't have enough cucumber in it. Yeah. I've always said that. So cucumber is coming on strong, but I'm sure that's the honeydew scent. I'm not sure what green leaves are supposed to smell like. Green? Uh, Yeah. yeah. Smell of green. Uh, Let's see. Look at the candle. It's hard to describe. Is it a a honeydew or a honey don't? (laughs) It's a honeydew. I like this candle. It's it's supposed to be like a, a meditation candle, so it would have been it nice to have It sounds kind of grassy. Yeah, it sounds nice. Yeah, I just love the cooling mist. That that phrase sounds nice. That's what I was drawn to it. I would recommend it. A wick up for me, and Matt can't smell it, but I think if he was here, he'd give it a wick as well. You painted a misty picture for me, so a wick up from from this side of the city. <laughs> <laughs> Talk about throw. Oh boy. So yeah, get your enlightened candle cooling mist. Jillian, do we have any shout outs? Yeah, I'm just going to, you know, go right into it. Thank you to our new Instagram followers. We've gotten a lot of new followers recently, and that's been so lovely for me to see every time I log on, new new followers. So we're loving all of these new faces and kind comments. That's been really cool to see our presence grow there. And also our Facebook group has been growing as well. Tara KH, she joined and she left the sweetest message about our podcast. And that's nice yeah, to hear. Thank you so much, Tara. Really sweet. And then also Kate Littleton, went, always a star in that group. She shared the sweetest, coolest, cozy activity of celebrating a different country every weekend with her husband. And also Kate, thank you for playing with me on Words with Friends. I now have another friend, you and Mark. So that's been awesome. I has still have not won every week. I'll update week bi-weekly. I'll update you guys on my progress. Still haven't won, but I'm chugging along. And we've been clear <laughs> since day one that this podcast exists to get friends for Jillian to play Scrabble with. Yeah. Okay. And, and you are fulfilling that mission spectacularly. So keep it up. Jillian's on words with friends. She needs those friends. She's got the words. But no she friends. Have friends. <laughs> A three year ruse in the making. <laughs> uh, that's, uh, that's Jillian the scammer. <laughs> Always scamming left and right. And uh, thank you, Gretchen, for sharing all of your delicious meals and recipes with the group. She's always sharing some delicious picture of food and like to see it, love to see it. And thank you to Norma G on Twitter, always tagging us in great recommendations, whether it's candles or podcasts. So we just love this community we've created and everyone's really pitching in and making it wonderful. So thank you. Yeah, thank you all. And and join it yourself. We're on Facebook. 
at All Things Cozy Podcast. We're on Instagram also at All Things Cozy Podcast. But Facebook is where the group is, and that's where a, a lot of the community is built. So I really encourage you, if you have a Facebook account, to check out that group. And you can always support the podcast on Patreon. We're at patreon.com slash allthingscozy. And that's where you can throw in however much that you feel you're able to. We appreciate any and all of it. And that helps us get candles to review and some other goodies that we also send out to our Patreons occasionally. So... Again, thank you all for your support, and we're really just so grateful that you continue to be part of such a thriving, cozy community. Yeah, keeping things cozy. And don't worry about me. I have a little mailbox that I go to, so I don't have to go to the post office so I can safely send you things. Yes, when we send our cozy swag, it is totally, (laughs) to our knowledge, (laughs) coronavirus-free. We can't guarantee that, I guess, but um, this is probably like... (laughs) <laughs> I, I, I send it out in the little mailbox. I don't go to any post office. I just hobble down the street. Very convenient for me. And I have, like I said a few weeks ago, I have new stationery, so I'm excited to use it. So don't let that stationery go to waste. Yeah, give us a, give us a reason to use that stationery and hop on our Patreon. Uh, give me a reason to go exercise. Get out of my house. <laughs> <laughs> well... <laughs> We'll be sitting here on our butts <laughs> um, until until next time we come back uh, in your ears with another cozy topic. Until then, stay, stay cozy. cozy.